Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Today it's episode 122. It's Monday. That means we're back with another MMA weekend recap. Dominic. Noah. This weekend has in some ways felt longer than usual, and yet somehow it's gone by so fast. How are you feeling? Isn't that just every weekend, man? It just seems to always fly by. I'll tell you, I, I truthfully had a great weekend since I've been home. It was definitely probably the best day I've had, just seeing a lot of friends, family. A late day, getting burnt. If you're watching on YouTube, I may look about as red as the, the shirt I'm wearing or our logo. That's all. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but uh, it was a great day, man. It was a great weekend. Great fights. And uh, here we are today on this beautiful Monday recapping them. What we love to do, Noah, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. Uh, a lot of the same things you said I could say besides getting burnt on the lake. Yeah. Um, that was not in my plans. Uh, instead, I, I, I sat under some shade and had a nice little day, just people watching out, out on the porch, you know. Porch drinking but, with Noah. <laughs> yes, of course. However, we're back here to talk about MMA. That's yes. what you guys came here to listen to, not about our weekends. This is true. Um, and, you know, let's... Well, Saturday night's card, I was going to say last night, but you know when you guys are seeing this. Yeah, Saturday night's card, really, in a lot of ways, we, on paper, we talked about how this was not your average fight night, um, just stacked compared yes. to a majority of these cards that you get on ESPN. However, sometimes those cards don't really execute. Mm -hmm. This one, Lived by up. all accounts, yeah, um, just a lot to talk about here. We're going to go over about seven fights, so a lot Buckle to in. talk about. But before we get into that card, Dominic, we start with a bit of news. We're going to the beach. We're going to catch a wave. <laughs> We're trying to catch a wave to Abu Dhabi this October. Yes. Because UFC 267's plans have been announced by none other than the nose himself, Ariel Hawani. He has put out there that we already know the main event of this card scheduled to be for the light heavyweight title. Yeah. Jan Blahovich defending against Glover Teixeira. Great fight. Yes. Now we have gotten more news about the co-main event, men's bantamweight title, Peter Jan, Aljamain Sterling too. They're running it back um, after their controversial finish at UFC 259. Oh, yep. 259. <laughs> There's a lot of number cards. <laughs> um, so that's nice that we're finally kind of getting some direction there. It's nice that that was kind of put out there before Saturday's card. So at yeah. least we kind of have some timetables for the main event implications and whatnot. Um, there's some more to get into that Ariel said. But based on the fact that this is an announcement for that fight, how are you feeling about us getting that? Obviously, the main event we've talked about before, but even that co-main event, two-title fight card back in Abu Dhabi. And – it's ultimately the probably rightful fight for the men's bantamweight title, correct? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we knew this fight needed to be ran back as soon as Aljo was healthy from neck surgery. He did just have it in April, so a relatively quick return, six months by the time they stepped back in there. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but nevertheless, we knew it had to happen. It's a good uh, co-main to have with the Jan Blahovich and Glover fight. Back in Abu Dhabi is always fun. I'm excited to see what the UFC will do this trip to fight island if there's going to be fans if they're going to fill that new arena all that type of fun stuff so uh it's going to be exciting this fall being back on fight island seeing some good fights 
Yeah, I'm, and and to kind of get into some of the other parts of uh, what Ariel dropped, uh, apparently this might be a card on ESPN. To be yeah. to be frank, uh, which would be very interesting. That would be uh, pretty nuts because yeah. we're just coming off a card Saturday that we glorified for how awesome it was on paper, but this would be a literal pay per view esque card being shown as like a fight night type setting on ESPN. Right. That would would blow our minds a little bit. Um, So because of that, there's a chance this isn't even UFC 267. It might be just another uh, fight night. It might be a – I mean, it won't be UFC Vegas, but, you know, it'll be UFC Fight Fight Island Island or whatever. whatever. So we don't know much about that right now. Again, this is Ariel kind of leaking some of this, so not UFC confirmed yet. But – very interesting stuff. I like what the, that they're continuing the partnership with Abu Dhabi. Yeah, um, it's it's obviously we've talked about so much in the past how it's paid off for them so many times over the past year, and now that we're kind of in some ways feels like we're kind of crawling out of this pandemic. It, yeah, it, it's nice that they're kind of finding ways to still make it a mutual beneficial relationship between the two. Hundred percent. But really, that's it for kind of a lot of our news and. We're just going to transition straight into UFC Vegas 32. That happened Saturday night. The main event. Wow. TJ Dillashaw defeats Corey Sanhagen via split decision. Who really saw that coming? I mean, be honest. I know we, you know, I know we all wanted to give TJ some credit coming in here and thought that, like, you know, he could have, like, a good showing. Yeah, but I feel like maybe I'm just because I thought this way, but I feel like the majority opinion was that was with Corey. Corey Hagen was going to win this fight. I agree. I mean, yeah. there was so much stacked against TJ coming in here, and let's start with the the, the most minor one being that he's not on EPO anymore. Right. That literally doesn't. I I don't even want to like like make note of it, but it just I have to because so many people talk about it. Yeah, um, I get it. Like he 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 rightfully got suspended for two years. He rightfully lost his belt because of it. However, I didn't think it was going to affect his performance being off of the stuff or whatever. You know, right. just I, we I know how great of a fighter he is. To me, what was more working against him was that this was a two-year layoff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's thirty-five years old. The lighter weight, the lighter in weight classes you go, typically the older guys don't hold up as well. You know, mm-hmm. a 35-year-old at heavyweight tends to hold up a little better yeah. than a 35-year-old at flyweight. It's just really hard to, to keep that kind of low weight. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, it's not easy. And so, pair that with a matchup against Corey Sandhagen. <laughs> and you're going up against Corey Sandhagen, who we already had, had basically enshrined as the number one contender after yeah. Aljo and um, Jan. So in some ways, Corey Sandhagen maybe – I want to say in some ways it felt like he was taking a risk here, but it felt like one that was kind of necessary because he had fought in February. And then since that title fight in March uh, for the Bantamweight belt had to be run back and it wasn't going to be till the fall. You know, it felt like maybe he wanted to stay active and Mm -hmm. it felt like a really good matchup. A guy he had been, he had trained with a lot in the past. Um, The biggest fight he could have had outside of a title. Of course. So, um, Really, by all means, this was just a perfect matchup. Yeah, and it then was. what we got was even better than I expected. I, yeah. I honestly couldn't have been more wrong. 
about some of my estimations about this fight. I, I said I thought that whoever was going to win this fight, it would be very clear early on. Right. That was not the case. This fight was back and forth the entire time. Um, TJ having a lot of success and kind of not necessarily getting the fight to the ground, but to at least clinch up Corey. Yeah, closer third, ranges. Yes, yes, and was able to kind of um, – grab hold of him, mm -hmm. um, sort of put Corey in uncomfortable positions, and that kind of helped him land on him a little more. While Corey was doing a great job of keeping, once Staines would be uh, sort of in his range, he his distance striking's incredible. Yeah. Um, the, guy, the flying knees were – Dude, he like, threw like eight of them. It was crazy. The fact, and landed and landed some yeah. of them flush. Yeah. Um, he cut shout TJ out to, real shout, bad. Yeah, shout out to TJ's chin, man. That was – some of those knees were – I mean, right on the chin, and the oh, guy yeah. just ate him. Ate a uh, spinning back fist right to the face. I mean, he was eating shots. So, obviously, there's a lot of controversy in kind of the the fact that um, TJ was announced the winner, even though it felt like – and I'm only guess basing this off of um, – they they put out the um, – who, who the media had scored – you mm -hmm. ever see those where they put out media scores yeah, and stuff? Yeah, The majority of them had put Sanhagen, so I'm only basing this off that because I know we're actually split on this fight. Mm -hmm. um, but So because that, the majority of people apparently had scored this fight for Corey Sanhagen. I also did. Mm -hmm. Dominic scored it for TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. However, we could come together as two people <laughs> on opposite sides of this argument right. and agree that this is not a robbery. No, no, no. Um, this, Close <laughs> fights are not robberies. Yes, let's let's skip past that right away. I'm so tired of a close fight that doesn't get scored in the direction that someone wants. Yeah, being just thrown. That word gets just thrown around like robbery. I'm yeah. sorry, just like Max Holloway versus Volkanovski too. That's not a robbery either, people. It's a close fight. Yes, yeah. I mean it's it is real. Like yes, you can have some frustration with the fact that you feel like the wrong guy won, but. That's the, I mean, that's the game, man. That's uh, yeah. this has been happening for so long now. I don't understand how people still have this much of an overreaction to it. I really don't. But regardless, both guys come out of this fight looking really good, in my opinion. Both stocks still go up. Yeah, I mean, TJ obviously all the credit in the world to that to him. Yeah, uh, had the world against him, had all the factors against him coming in here. And he put on an incredible performance. Sure, did he did he look like the TJ of old? I wouldn't necessarily say that. Right. I mean, it looked like he was adapting to. And I mean, there was the injury in the first round that he suffered. Uh, they popped his knee. Or yeah, something. said his so, knee popped. So one of his legs was compromised for the majority of the fight. So that could have had something to do with it. But it looked like he was definitely adapting in the octagon, like just off the fact that he was a lot slower than Corey Sanhagen. Yeah. Um, but he was able to make it work, obviously. He got the win. And for Corey Sanhagen, while I think his, where he kind of went wrong in this fight ended up mattering more. And mm -hmm. I felt like any time uh, TJ was able to kind of get his arms around him, clinch him up, Sanhagen would kind of give up his back at will. Yeah. Which, as if you're, you know, even guys like us who've never competed or trained in MMA, we can tell you that that's one of the worst and most compromising positions to put yourself in. Especially so, against a guy like Dillashaw. And the judges see that, and it affects their scoring, even though when he would give up his back, it's because 
in a lot of ways, it looked like he was really good at the hand fighting. Yeah. And it never really had it. It never really got to TJ's on the ground, never got finished for the majority of it. But I think it still was scoring for a lot of the, for those judges. Mm-hmm. Um, so really no guy comes out of here looking bad. They both look great. Oh, yeah. And to me, the big question is, Dom, is TJ Dillashaw the next man up after Jan and Sterling? I mean, he has to be, right? Going the distance with a guy like San Hagen that so few have even been close to doing. I mean, this guy has one of the highest finishing rates and shortest average fight times in Bantamweight history, that being Corey Sanhagen. So for TJ to come back after a two-and-a-half-year layoff, again, the odds stacked against him and put on a great performance. I mean, these guys combined for over 300 total strikes landed. This was – Noah even said he's going to put it on one of his fight of the year uh, contenders in terms of the mm-hmm. list that we accumulate for our Jobies in December. But this was really a great performance from both guys with TJ getting the upper hand again. I, like Noah said, I scored it for TJ personally. But I could see it going for Corey as well. It was just really the pacing that TJ, he kept pressing forward, landing good shots, and just eating hard shots as well from Corey. And, yeah, I mean, a title fight's next. We're talking, you know, a former two-time champion. There's no one else really to even fight outside of just waiting for the title fight in October between Jan and Sterling. Fingers crossed there's no more controversy in the rematch. And, you know, for Sanhagen, too, and I thought this was interesting, in his post-fight interview with Megan O'Levy, he said he talked to Mick Maynard immediately after the fight and made him pinky promise that he is still only one win away from getting a title shot anyway. So I think that just goes to show not only the ceiling the UFC believes in for Corey Sanhagen, but also going the distance with TJ, a fight that could have gone either way. And truthfully, I agree, especially if he comes out there and starches someone like he had been doing up until this TJ fight. So again, as I mentioned earlier, for both guys, the stocks go up, even with a loss for Corey Sanhagen. But yes, title fight for sure has to be next for TJ. So here's my only caveat to this. TJ did have potentially a big injury in the octagon. I mean, it's knee pop. That's never something you want to hear. Afterwards, at the post-fight press conference, he said he wanted to be an alternate for the title fight in October. So that kind of makes me think that he doesn't think it's very serious. Right. But I just want to kind of maybe offer that as an alternative here. If Mm -hmm. TJ Dillashaw is going to have a a layoff of, um, you know, well, I don't know how long, but if it's going to be enough to where, let's say the title fight happens in October, um, you have a winner of that, and maybe he's not ready to go whenever the UFC wants to put the next Bantamweight title fight together, Yeah, then you have there's a chance that Corey still gets a title fight, but sure. more likely a guy like Rob Bott is able to kind of capitalize and get his shot that, um, yeah. sooner than expected. Well, and I would say the clear-cut, you know, should TJ be all right to yeah, fight, the I, clear-cut I, fight is San Hagen and Rob Font. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so, wow. That's a great fight. It yeah. really is. Uh, two guys that are a lot different in the way they fight on the feet, but are both probably the two potentially best strikers in the Bantamweight division. At yeah, this point. so incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, this division's come a long way in terms of its striking. We, we we saw that a lot, in my opinion, in the Font-Garbrandt fight, mm-hmm. a fight that, uh, you know, Cody Garbrandt was a very feared striker in this division when he was on his come up and eventually yeah. won the title. You look at his performance against Dominic Cruz, um, very slick on the feet. Mm-hmm. And then you look at his fight with Rob Font, and you just, Rob Font just always was a step ahead, yep. always kind of um, 
sort of just outclassing him at times. And I think that just shows the growth in this division in terms of its strikers. Um, and that starts at the top. Guys like Sanhagen, Peter Jan is an incredible striker. Yes. Um, TJ Dillashaw, still awesome striker. So definitely this top of the – even if TJ Dillashaw isn't the next guy because of a potential long layoff, I'm only – he has to be next if he's available. But right. if not, if he's out and they want to get a title fight put together, and we know – and when it comes to these interim title fights, they're willing to just yeah. kind of next guy up. Yeah. Uh, a guy like Rob Bont makes a lot of sense right now. 100%. And honestly, even if Sandhagen coming off a loss, I think could he very could well still get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's that good. Um, so it's interesting. I, I want to ask you another question for, for Sandhagen. Uh-huh. So now he's, even though we know how incredible he is, everybody is kind of, expecting this guy to be a champion at some point but in terms of kind of his next sort of year year and a half or so um he has a loss to tj dillashaw now right and we know about the loss to aljamain sterling that was very one-sided even though it seemed like everybody was kind of ready even if aljo does win in october to kind of run that fight back even though it's only been a year yeah um now that's two of kind of the top four guys or so now that he's lost to. Do you think that's going to hurt him in terms of, um, let's say, if one, if Aljo or TJ Dillashaw is champion kind of right. in, in this time next year or even before that, is that going to hurt his chances of getting a title fight, you think? Or is he so talented that you just can't deny giving him a second chance at those guys? I think he is just so good that if he were to go out and get one more victory in the meantime against even a guy like Rob Font, you can't really deny the kid. And at the end of the day, there's no one else for him to go. I mean, he's essentially cleared his path into this top three, and he's been there ever since, even when he lost to Aljo. He takes out Marlon Marais and then takes out Frankie Edgar. Like He's willing to fight anyone, anywhere, and when he usually wins, it's very convincing. It's not just one that he edges out. And that's what kind of keeps the guy like Corey Sanhagen up at the top and always going to be in title talk contention as long as he's in that top five, man. So I, I think I see your point where you would think for other people, a guy that's lost to two people and they could potentially be the champion next year, that that would be harder to uh, talk your way into that title fight. But for a guy as talented as Sanhagen, as young, as fun to watch for the fans, I don't think he will have any issues I feel the same way. I just like yeah. to offer some devil's advocate there. I like the uh, thought. Yeah. Uh, next headline here, we had a couple of top women's prospects go at it. Macy Barber gets the split decision win over Miranda Maverick. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see our headline shows. That not without some not, controversy. Again, another fight that you know it, we, we kind of expected that the winner here would, would be kind of like, okay, this is who – is the big prospect of this division. And the loser yeah. <clears throat> would just be a lot of questions about kind of how good are they really, you know? Mm-hmm. And instead, we kind of got – it kind of got flipped on its head because the majority, again – and this was kind of a theme for tonight. Even though it was a great night of fights, uh, the judges' scorecards seemed to be a little all over the place at times. Yeah. Uh, in this case – it's, this is again the sense of like the majority of people probably had it scored two to one from Randy right. Maverick. Again, it's not a robbery that Macy Barber gets a win here, but 
Dominic, even with that being said, even though we're not going to call this a robbery, um, we're still like, okay, clear win for Macy. She's the one that's going to move on and try to fight ahead. Mm-hmm. And for Miranda, you know, have to retool whatnot. With that being said, coming off this fight, how good do you feel about Macy Barber in terms of um, kind of getting back to where she was pre-Roxanne Mataferi fight? And then right. I guess my second question for Miranda Maverick after that. Yeah, for Macy, we've seen kind of two fights in a row now where she's really turned it on late in the fight in that third round is where she's the strongest. But you can't be doing that, especially when you're only fighting three-round fights, when you can essentially find yourself down 2-0, forcing yourself to go all in in the third, try and go for a finish. Um, I will say, while I, sco- while I scored this for Maverick, pardon me, um, that second round was obviously very close up until Maverick landed a takedown to finish the round on top, which ultimately led me to score it for her. But I could see where the judges said, oh, maybe that 20, 25 seconds with the takedown wasn't enough. So Macy got the round. Nevertheless, it sucks when a fight ends in controversy, especially for two great prospects. We we loved and hated this fight. We said that even when it got announced mm-hmm. months ago. So for Macy... She called out Jessica I, a fight to get into the top 10. Can she return to form? I'd like to see her put a full three-round performance together. I think a tough veteran in Jessica I would kind of force her to do that because I will pressure forward with her striking, just like Miranda was, really. So can um, Macy adapt, put on a complete performance? She's training at Team Alpha Male now with Uriah Faber in her corner. you got to think she's still so young, so green, she can continue to build patch those holes, and um, we've seen she's always in a fun fight, regardless win or lose, but can she put it all together over the course of three rounds? Because before last night, all of her wins were finishes where she just got them out of there. But the two fights that went the distance that she lost back-to-back, she really had no answers. So we'll see what happens for Macy. For Miranda, uh, Maverick, I thought she still put on a great performance as well. The pressure, as we anticipated with her grappling, her striking, still improving. I thought she landed good shots against Macy in this one. I don't think this hinders her much, and it it helps her maybe a little bit that so many people thought she won. As much as I hate to say that, it probably will help her out. She has a great potential. She's only 24 years old. I still think she gets another top 15 opponent, truthfully. Okay. like She could even fight forward and get someone like Andrea Lee even. So I don't think okay. this will hinder her too much. Okay. No, I, I I'm all for those kind of – moving forward, having them both sort of stick in the top 15 for now. Uh, For Macy Barber, there's just got to be more questions, you know, as she moves forward. There there seemed like even though she put on a good performance here and, um, you know, fought her way to a win, there were things that kind of stuck out to me in her performance more so than Miranda the holes. Where I was like, yes, where I would count those as like holes. And the big one is um, she throws that air so much. You know, mm-hmm. she she has to be – and then this is a guy who's never trained before talking about this. So um, take this with a grain of salt. Don't, don't think I'm telling a professional fighter how to fight. I, just from what I see, it looks like she needs to sort of find a way to kind of better measure her distance, mm-hmm. um, know her range a little better because – there was just so many times where she would just be a little bit too separated from Miranda and was just throwing at air so much. I'm like, that's just a waste of uh, energy at that point. Right. Even Uriah Faber was at times telling her, like, actually hit her. Like, yeah. I heard him saying that, and that was kind of funny to me. I was just 
I kind of laughed at it. It was like, yeah, I mean, she's really just not even close to hitting her right now. Um, if she if she was able to close that distance just a little bit more, she'd probably she could be piecing her up for all we know. Right. Um, so yeah, coming off this fight, there does clear to be more holes still in Macy Barber's game, even though it was a close fight, a fight that she got the win in. Miranda Maverick, I just still feel confident in her grappling kind of yeah. pace that she's really going to have a, a, I would say, easier time in the future, kind of moving her way up. Macy just, again, seems so raw and so um, green, as you said, mm-hmm. that, that she's, she's so stu- developing still, but it's just at a slower pace than you want for someone who – in her shoes is in the top 15 is going to be potentially fighting top 10 next. Yeah. Um, a fight with Jessica. I though, I think it makes sense. That's a mm-hmm. flounder. That's a veteran. That's floundering right now. Yeah. Someone who has coming off a few losses in a row. I want to say um, she's Jessica. I is not an elite uh, contender in this division. Obviously she's a former title challenger, but I wouldn't call her an elite contender anymore, but a and, super tough test for a prospect. Mm-hmm. For Macy, I think it would be a good estimation because if she loses to someone like Jessica I, then are you really buying her as a contender right. in the near future? There's no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, Miranda, you know, I would have less – in my head, I feel like Miranda would have – I don't want to say an easy time beating Jessica I, but – and obviously matchups take take a part in this. But for Miranda, I, I in my head right now, I think she's ahead of Jessica I in terms of talent. Yeah, and I can't say the same for Macy. That's just what it all comes down to. So, good win, um, you know. Regardless, both girls at least put on good showings. Yeah, it was a good where, fight. Yeah, you know, it's you don't feel like kind of how I said they might on Friday, where neither one of them really comes out of here looking too bad. Um, they both. You know, should be as you said, fighting top fifteen next, which is more than I kind of thought would happen, depending on the showings we got. Right, right. Last headline here on our prelims: Ooh. a fight that we were very close to not even talking about on Friday. Oh, Mickey, you so fine. Oh my! As Mickey Gall puts on probably his best performance inside the octagon and submits Jordan Williams with the rear naked choke. Two minutes, 57 seconds of round number one. Um, Jordan Williams is quite the brute. Um, He's a guy that comes in there and kind of just fights with reckless abandon. Looks to put you out early and often. While Mickey, we've seen him be very tentative in the past and fights with Mike Perry. Um, When he's looked good, it's been when he's gotten the fight to the ground and is able to use his jiu-jitsu to submit you. And that obviously is what happened here. But the big takeaway for me is that he looked very confident on the feet and yes. he came in here with the chip on his shoulder, knowing that his back was against the wall. And I saw a nice bit of uh, aggression out of Mickey, a bit of a, a um, kind of a like, fuck you attitude a little bit yeah. that I haven't seen out of him probably since he fought Sage Northcutt. If right. Not, maybe even see him pump. Came out with a point to prove. Yeah. yeah. What were your thoughts on this one? He looked so good, man, and uh, like you said, the striking is what was impressive because a guy that's so good at grappling, known for his jiu-jitsu and submissions, looked very confident against a big, powerful striker in uh, Jordan Williams. So for him to go out there, hurt Williams on the feet, and then finish him with the uh, 
Mickey Gall special, the rear naked choke. It really was the performance that you wanted to see from Mickey and a guy that had so much potential coming in, had a lot of hype, some of it unwarranted, some of it warranted. But then from there, went on a very back-and-forth skid. Noah even said on Friday it felt like a must-win situation for Mickey Gall, the guy that was found on a, looking for a fight on YouTube. And now here he is picking up a huge win, a big bounce back coming off of a loss. You love to see it if you're a Mickey Gall fan, if you're a fan of submissions. He's always going to go out there and look for finishes. This is the style of fight Mickey needs to continue um, carrying with him into future fights. Still young and only 29. This was the fight we needed to see to kind of get a glimpse of, okay, maybe there is still a decent ceiling that Mickey Gall can reach here in the UFC. Potentially. Potentially there still is. Um, coming off of this, what I need to kind of see from Mickey is he needs to kind of put a win streak together here. Mm-hmm. Um, we know he's been trading wins and losses essentially as post Sage Northcut fight. That's been really the story here. It's just yeah. been win one, lose one, win one, lose one. When he has a quite a dip in this competition, he can beat kind of those low level guys. But then once he gets that step up and he's got yep. guys like even Diego Sanchez. Uh, he just can't pass that test. And here he won against Jordan Williams, good on you. But now you're going to get a step up again. So it's about putting a win streak together for him. Right. And I, Mickey is a talented guy. I know that. Like I know even though his, his debut and his fight with CM Punk, those are very – like the lowest of level guys you're fighting, him and Mike Jackson uh, and CM Punk. Like those two guys were – pretty much the bottom tier that you can fight mm-hmm. in the UFC. But I've seen it, like some of his other performances have showed me that he is a very talented guy. Right. Um, and that he was kind of that hype was in some ways warranted, even though um, he might've been put on a pedestal too quickly since he was still growing so much. But uh, this was the when he needed. And I want to see this kind of performance out of him, this, this kind of showing in every fight. If he fights like this, this guy is potentially going to have a resurgence. You know, yes, yeah. that was just such a just nice attitude change for Mickey Gall. You love to see it. Let's get into the rest because there's quite a few more fights to talk about here. We start with the co-main event. Co-main event was awarded fight of the night by the UFC. Yeah. Raleigh and Paeva defeats Kyler Phillips via majority decision. Quite a shocker as uh, Paeva was one of the bigger underdogs on this card. And uh, obviously the majority decision comes as one judge scored it a uh, draw, um, 28-28. But Paeva, story for him here, a guy that fought at flyweight in the UFC early on, had missed weight a couple times, kind of split record. So really kind of an underwhelming, I guess, run at flyweight, even though he Mm -hmm. was ranked. Right. But then this move to Bantamweight sort of seemed necessary for him, um, but he was kind of getting thrusted against a very tough top prospect in some ways in this division, and Kyler Phillips, a guy who had showed a lot of things in his previous bouts with uh, Elsay and uh, Song Yudong. Yeah. So it was a dangerous fight for him to take. And the, the majority opinions were that, you know, Kyler Phillips is going to kind of run through this guy, maybe put on a bit of a showcase and I think we gave Paeva his respect on Friday, and that, yeah. came, that came through here. This fight was awesome. It uh, was. Nothing really else to be said. Violent. And for, for a guy like Paeva to not only, you know, I 
much of my credit I gave to Paeva on Friday was due to his jiu-jitsu, but this guy did it on the feet, too. These guys were standing and banging, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a huge win for him that's going to thrust him back into the top 15 but in a different weight class. Mm-hmm. And really the future's bright for him right now. It's a huge win. Got to feel good about that one that really so many people didn't think he had this in him. And, again, another example, I guess, not to – Kind of conflict my tones here, but another example, I guess, of a judge's weird judge's scoring. Um, I'll be curious to see. I didn't read too much about kind of the opinion of this fight. I did see a couple people say they scored it a draw, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll be curious to see, you know, how many people think that that was a draw because we both personally did not see it that way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Um, the draw being that a lot of people scored round one a 10 8 because Kyler Phillips hurt. Um, Paeva very badly with that elbow and he, he just in terms of the striking numbers was very significant in his favor in that first round I gotta say too for Paeva he didn't look undersized for coming up I know he had missed weight at 125 so he's a bigger guy anyway but he looked just as big as Kyler Phillips so that could be uh, you know a bright sign for his future as a bantamweight and to come in there and show your toughness weather the storm and then hurt Phillips as well and then ultimately get a victory over one of the biggest prospects in that division says a lot for Paeva, who's still so young in his own right, even though he's had so many fights and is so experienced, this could be kind of the uh, turn of events he needs to kind of have a career, not resurgence because he was coming in off of a win streak anyway at flyweight, but just a real good readjustment for his career and what his future could be. And I think for Phillips, this isn't really much of a hindrance to his rise. I mean, he was undefeated in the UFC going into this. It was an incredible fight, one that he could have arguably won. I don't think his stock stock uh, dips lower at all. I think it just continues to rise because he's always in a fun fight, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, for Phillips, this was a, a late replacement opponent, mm-hmm. which we understand as guys that have watched the sport for a long time that while, yes – when you have a short a guy come in on short notice, they are at a disadvantage. It kind of puts the guy that's been there for a while at a disadvantage too because yeah. they were game planning for a different opponent, and then they have a guy with a different style come in potentially. So um, not saying that's the reason Paeva won this fight, just saying that for Phillips, um, it's, it's, just a, it's just a blip on the radar for mm-hmm. now, um, and he should and probably will bounce back from this. Yeah. Also, our feature bout. Again, this is a fight we didn't even talk about on Friday, and I and I had started <laughs> seeing more people talk about it as the fight was leading up. Um, look, he's a fan favorite, man. Yeah, Darren the Damage Elkins, and we know why. It's because the guy goes in there. I said this phrase earlier: reckless abandon is what yeah. this guy does. This guy puts his body on the line every time he goes in. The scar tissue on his face is loosey goosey. And his face turns into a red mask every time out. Um, this guy has became known for, I don't know how many times. I mean, I feel like I've seen this guy have a come from behind win like a dozen times in the UFC. He like comes back from the dead in the octagon. It's yeah. crazy. And that would be kind of the case here against Derek Minor. He gets a TKO over Minor. Three minutes, 48 seconds of round number two. Um, a big win for a veteran who... Mm-hmm. It's really kind of at the end of the road right now, you know, really at his back against the wall here. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people 
look at a guy like uh, Darren Elkins and they go, oh, bare knuckle FC is on the horizon for him. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just nice to see him get a win over a guy like Miner who has, uh, I, I believe, was coming off a pretty big win I, coming into this fight. And, he was, yeah. Um, I forget who it was over. It was over a guy I was pretty big on. It was another kind of prospect battle. Yeah, and I can't remember now. However, Elkins – Really, obviously, was hurt early, but comes back and literally, I mean, the 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 legend of this guy just continues to grow. Yeah, I mean, if you essentially, you know, damage the damage in Darren Elkins, if you make him bleed, run because you're going to be in some trouble. This man never stops coming, regardless of how hurt he is. This is a really fun, like, grappling fest of a fight too, which I really enjoyed. It really all took place on the ground. But it shows that even the jujitsu, the wrestling, can always be just as fun as a striking battle. This was no different here. Um, Miner did show some good things, but ultimately got tired. And that's where the veteran expertise of Elkins came into play. I mean, he's had like 21, 22 fights in the UFC. Been in there with some ultra-tough guys. Ends up getting the finish. It's a huge win for a guy in the latter half of his career. What more can be said? I mean, if there's anyone that deserves to have a tattoo across their chest with like electrical font that says the damage it's darren elkins so uh, well-deserved man he's always in fun fights and will continue to be until the end of the road look it's one of the worst tattoos in mma but <laughs> one of the best <laughs> it's also very fitting for, for yeah. a guy with that with that kind of legend to him yes uh, to start off our main car it was the fight that ufs or mma twitter i should say had asked for had been enshrining in the lead up here Adrian Yanez gets the TKO over Randy Costa. Comes from behind as well. Two minutes, 11 seconds around number two. Dr. Pepper wins over He's Reese's. victorious, yes. Um, this was a great fight. It was, it was a fight that we expected to be great, and it was. It's kind of weird. It's a shame, I guess, in some ways, that this card was so good. Yeah. Because a fight like this that was great kind of got – put under the radar in some mm-hmm. ways just because the main event was awesome. I thought the main event was a fight of the year contender. Yeah. Um, you even got fights like uh, Brendan Allen and Punahele Soriano that we'll mm-hmm. get into, but that was an awesome fight. So this fight was like sandwiched in between yes. a lot of awesome. <laughs> so in some ways it just kind of fall, falls under the radar because of that. But two guys that really – honestly, this this might be a bit dramatic – but the way that these two were able to kind of get their fight hyped up, the way that they um, bought into MMA Twitter, that they it, you know continued to kind of support it and uh, interact with it. And even in the post-fight, Yanez was giving shout-outs to guys that he really liked on Twitter yeah. and stuff. Um, that is a blueprint, in my opinion, for future kind of these Young guys prospects. on the rise yeah, that want to get a name for themselves. I think you're going to start to see this more and more. I think these two really did something here that's going to become quite the thing for years to come. But it was an awesome fight. It was good that it lived up. Randy Costa, we know that this guy is such a such a menace early in his fights, especially because yeah. he's, he's so used to getting out of there inside of a round. And it looked like he was much, much of the same here. Yanez was um, definitely – definitely battered early, but then able to come back in that second round and the body work along mm. Mm. You know, mixing in the bodies shots with the headshots was a work of art. 
and was able to put away Costa, who looked like he just kind of gassed out round two, maybe had an adrenaline dump of some sorts. But yeah. um, both these guys, I think, have bright futures, and this fight showed that. Yeah, I mean, Yanez, well, both guys are incredible strikers. This was a tale of two rounds. Round one, all Costa dominated. Round two, all Yanez and dominated and then got the finish. Two guys that are so fun, so fan-friendly. The MMA Twitter behind them, the Reese's Cups, the Dr. Peppers, they're going to continue to be, you know, stars in their own right as they continue their careers. But for Yanez, now on a seven-fight win streak, three straight by KOTKO in the UFC, this kid's striking is so crisp. And so technical, I can't wait to see him get battle-tested again. I mean, really, you got to think he's inching his way closer to a top 15 guy just oh, because of his name value alone. Yeah, I think he's there right now. I think he should get a top 15 next. Yeah, and uh, he's he's shown it, and his skill set's there. And to be able to weather a storm, because Costa was just pounding him in the first round with nasty shots, landing clean, flush head kicks, he was just eating them for dinner, man. So incredible fight, as everyone anticipated. Again, a fight where both guys' stocks go up. A little more to take away in terms of Yanez obviously getting the win for Costa. Work on the conditioning maybe a little bit, or maybe just the output was so heavy in round one, He maybe the adrenaline dump got gassed out yeah. a little. So both guys' bright futures, but Yanez, look out because he's coming for the top 15. Yeah, well, I've been on the Yanez hype train since I was watching this guy in LFA. Yeah. Uh, piecing up people. And um, to see him sort of make do on – that that potential is mm-hmm. really nice to see, and this 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 rivalry, if you want to call it, this friendly <laughs> rivalry, has made me kind of realize how good Randy Costa is. So mm-hmm. all guys kind of win from this, even though Costa does have a tough loss here, and uh, he does have some things to work on with that conditioning. I would say, yeah. But I mean, the guy for a guy like Costa, who physically is in great shape and uh, does have a great skill set and that he throws hammers mm-hmm. um i have no doubt that he can improve on that oh, and yeah. next time out he's just going to be a much more dangerous fighter because of a loss like this yeah but yanez top 15 honestly might even be a fight with kyler phillips that i would look to book oh yes that would be fun that would be fun um uh, the headliner of our prelims Ooh. saw another prospect about this time in the middleweight division brendan allen Gets a unanimous decision win over Punahele Soriano. Um, this was much of a matador and bullfight yes. <laughs> in some ways. But yet, imagine a matador and bullfight if the matador decided to just stop taking the bullshit and just started punching the shit out of it. Yeah. Because uh, Brendan Allen, the guy who we kind of thought might is a bit more on the grappling side in, mm-hmm. in comparison to Soriano, we thought that might be sort of the tail of this fight, Soriano being a guy that would press heavy early, throw big shots, and and Brendan would try to have to find his openings to get the fight to the ground. Yeah, But Brendan took it to Soriano, and Soriano just kind of like a Terminator, just never really uh, – he reminds me so much of Paulo Costa. Can I just say that? Yeah, his um, power never goes away. Just a guy that even as he's gassing out, he just doesn't fucking stop coming forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a sight to see, and this fight was really fun. What did, what did you think? My biggest takeaway, man, I mean, obviously, Punahele's power and just the willingness to eat shots, to give shots. But Brendan Allen, very good defensively in terms of his striking and looks so good offensively. A guy that, yeah, he does have five KOT games, but he's known as to be that submission ace. He's got nine of those. He loves finishing fights. But he looked good on the feet, man. He was very crisp. 
the body kicks that he was landing hurt me watching on the couch and uh, everything. It was just such a well-rounded performance. And we didn't even get to see grappling from the guy. So uh, I'm very excited. Both these guys came off of the same season of Dana White's contender series. Puna Haley was undefeated. So this is now his first professional loss. I'm sure he'll take plenty away from this, work on the conditioning, work on, you know, better movement to land those big power shots because he was landing on Brendan Allen. But Allen was able to withstand a man, and when he'd fire back with the counter striking, he just looked so incredible. I was very impressed with Allen striking in this one. Great fight. Art, honestly, nah, the main event was still my personal fight of the night. But this was number two on that list of a card that was so stacked with great bouts. And uh, I love when there's two prospects that have very high ceilings match up. We saw a lot of that on this card. We've talked about the Barber Maverick, Yanez Costa. We've got Puna Hale and Brendan Allen. So a lot of great prospects here. They got to put on a show on ESPN. What more can you say for him? My biggest worry for this fight was for Soriano. His is how how much how I guess how much would he hold up in rounds two and three? And mm-hmm. and even though in some ways I feel like that lost him this fight and that he his cardio was just not good. At the same time, the guy just kept coming forward. Yeah. And, um that's a dangerous man that one that no matter how tired he is, he refuses to kind of let it overtake him, I guess. Right. Um, still something to work on there and a good win for Brendan Allen. Um, the guys look really, I mean, honestly, we're kind of, in some ways I feel like maybe I'm starting to underrate Brendan Allen a little bit. That loss to Sean Strickland's looking more and more like um, one that really won't, be much in the memory for too long as he keeps getting these big wins. Yeah, 100%. That's going to wrap it up for the MMA Weekend Recap. Let us know your thoughts on these fights. Um, How did you score the main event, the women's prospect fight between Barbara and Maverick, uh, even the co-main event, you know, any of those that kind of had some Mm -hmm. iffy scoring. Let us know how you scored it. Um, But with that being said, this week there will be two episode weeks of Friday we're going to be coming back with another MMA weekend preview. Potentially going to be on the shorter side. We'll see. Hmm. We have a UFC card that is uh, not the uh, highest of caliber, right. but we do have a Bellator card, and it's headlined by one of the greatest fights, maybe the best in Bellator MMA history. Yeah. Um, so a lot to look forward to there, even if the episode might be on the shorter side. It's going to be impactful oh 100 <laughs> but until then dominic tell the good people where they can find you on social media you can find me on twitter on instagram at decently 14 more importantly go engage with us interact with us uh our podcast on instagram on twitter at baj underscore mma podcast yep for me on twitter instagram at nt baker underscore there is a link in my bio to the link tree Linktree gives you the links to all the platforms the podcast is on, along with social media platforms. So uh, the the Instagram, the Twitter, the YouTube channel, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcast, all on there. Uh, shout out to today's sponsor, Anchor. They have a couple links on there as well. One to leave a voice message. Take full advantage of that. Let us know your thoughts, and we'll put them on here. Um, also, a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. But uh, thank you all for listening or watching. And uh, that's it. We're out. We'll see y'all on Friday.